We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another special episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff here at KC Sports Network, presented by our good friends up at Holiday Distillery. Make sure to go up to Weston, Missouri, especially as the fall, the weather's getting really nice. Head up to Weston, Missouri, take a tour of the distillery and check out the new bottle and bonded bourbon. Uh, I highly recommend it for anybody who has not been up there before. And uh, I'm really excited about this episode, Chiefs Kingdom, because uh, joined by a familiar face, somebody I spent a couple years around uh, during my time with the Chiefs. Uh, played for the Cardinals, the Saints, and the Kansas City Chiefs, won a Super Bowl uh, back during Super Bowl LIV, and Chiefs, former Chiefs defensive end, Alex Okafor. Alex, what's going on, man? Yeah, BJ, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Of course. The first thing I got to ask, uh, because it hasn't been that long since you've been out there on the field, mm-hmm. you, are you waiting for the phone to ring? Are you working out? Or what, <laughs> what's your on-field situation right now? Right. No, I've been I've been getting a lot of questions like that just because I haven't formally retired yet. Um, but I mean, I guess my status right now is just kind of stay in shape for the right situation. Like I'm technically still available, but I'm not willing to take any situation that that occurs for me. Um, I'm staying locked in. I'm staying in shape. I can still play, but it has to be for the right situation, which is obviously either for the Chiefs or mm-hmm. hopefully another contender, preferably the Chiefs. But yeah, you know how that goes. Don't go to Buffalo, please. Just don't do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they'd want me. I have a lot of bad blood up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I've had this conversation with Jeff Allen because I don't, ex- uh, he had an opportunity uh, right when he got done uh, to go to the Raiders. And he's like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to play for the Raiders. So I, <laughs> I got to sneak in a Raiders joke uh, when I can. But um, before we get into to the football stuff, just what are you up to now? Uh, obviously training, mm-hmm. staying in shape, all that stuff. But where are right. you living? What are you, what are you doing during the day? Right. Yeah. So I, I'm originally from Austin, Texas. So I come back here every off season and this is where my home's at. So this is where I've been residing at for the most part. Um, outside of the training, my wife does real estate. So we've just, I've just been kind of putting that extra energy and time into her career since she's kind of sacrificed so much for me. So that's, that's just awesome. kind of where I'm at with the free time. 
that's similar to Jeff. I just, just mentioned him. He's got the cookie thing going on and he just uh, uh, helps helps his wife create the cookie empire that they've got. I was going to say, let me tell you about them cookies, man. I had no idea what those cookies were like until I got on the team in 2019. And those cookies changed my life, man. Unreal. <laughs> they're not, it's not a cookie. Like it's a dessert. It is. Like you can't eat more than one of those things because they're so thick. Like it, yeah. They've, it's a meal. Mike, Mike DeVito and, and Jeff have their own show and it's sponsored by Cookie Society. They talk about it all the time. It just makes me hungry. But I did laugh every time I go over by uh, the offensive line room and I'd see that light blue, almost like the Tiffany color, uh, like mm-hmm. the Tiffany boxes. You'd be like, Jeff mm-hmm. brought cookies. <laughs> Jeff brought cookies for everybody. <laughs> you know what time it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, just thoughts on the Chiefs. Obviously, um, name one of the teams that you're staying in shape for if they give a call, if Brett and them uh, want an edge rusher, which it was talked about amongst Chiefs Kingdom, at least. And there were reports that they had made some calls, uh, but seems like they make, I mean, Brett's the kind of guy, he's going to make a lot of calls anyway. Uh, that's mm-hmm. his job, figure out what's out there. But, um, you know, overall, when you sit back and then you're watching the Chiefs on Sundays, just what do you think about the team this year? What do you think about the defense and all the young guys that they've got uh, out there playing? Mm-hmm. Man, it's, I've, I've been pleased with what I've seen so far. Um, obviously, I wasn't in camp, so I didn't know, you know, what the feeling around the building was. But just from outside looking in, just like everybody else, got rid of Tyreek, made a whole bunch of changes offensively and defensively, got a whole lot younger. So there was just a lot of questions. And obviously, when you got Pat and Big Red, you knew we are going to be good, but we just didn't know how good. So to see us at where we're at at this point in the season, I think it's a win across the board. Yeah, I think – there are a lot of receipt keeping by Chiefs Kingdom for everything that was said back during during when the Tyreek trade was made, especially with everything that went on in the AFC West. Uh, Broncos bringing in Russell Wilson, bringing in Randy Gregory, Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, and obviously the Chargers making the move for Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. All these moves, and yet seven, eight weeks into the regular season, Chiefs still top the division, number one scoring offense in the NFL. As somebody who's around – Mahomes during the early part of his career did you see this coming like I know you probably get asked this a lot just because I've called mm-hmm. him like greatest quarterback in NFL history already because mm-hmm. I, can, I can say that uh but did you I'm, notice I'm right this you. okay um well uh, yeah like I said I'm right there with you it's it's, it's gonna be hard pressure for me to take anybody over the course of history over Pat and we're I mean we're talking about from a talent perspective but um just uh I knew what his talent was like just watching him on film. But when I finally got on the team, I kind of saw his demeanor. I saw how he was interacting with the guys. And then on Sundays, I just saw his decision-making. And, you know, for the most part, Pat sees his reads and he doesn't make many bad decisions. And when you factor in his scrambling ability, like this dude's unreal. Like you you can't touch him. So, um, yeah, I learned that early on in 2019. It didn't take long. We uh we have a show called KCS and Update, and one of the guys from Pro Football Focus, Trevor Sikama, comes on, and uh, he brought up this stat, and I'm, I'm gonna kind of paraphrase it a little bit, but it was like the Chiefs' offensive line have given up like the fourth most pressures in the NFL, but have like the fourth, the Chiefs' offense has like the fourth uh, least like sack rate. So he's getting pressured all the time, but they're not bringing him down because he is so elusive and he's so good. His spatial awareness is just. He sees the field. He knows where to go. He knows where his pressure is coming from. He can step up, keep his eyes downfield, all that, all that stuff. But let's get back to the defensive side of the ball because I know that's uh, that's where you played. You had uh, put out on Twitter um, the other day uh, regarding kind of 
trade targets and what would make sense. There are a lot of guys' names that were thrown around uh, as far as edge rushers, guys that could uh, join the Chiefs or could potentially be traded to the Chiefs. And one of the ones that you had tweeted that would make sense if the con- the long-term extension would make sense was Josh Allen uh, from the Jaguars. Why did you think, and obviously it didn't happen now, and it, it won't maybe down the road in the offseason, but why was Josh Allen a guy that you thought would make sense for the Chiefs? Well, um, just for – let's look at it from – obviously from a contractual standpoint, um, he's going to come in. If we did trade for him, he's going to come in looking for an extension. So mm-hmm. first of all, you got to, you got to know trading him, how much are you willing to give him? And then you got to know, does his talent match what you're willing to give him? And I think out of all the the trade rumors I've been hearing on the edge, I think he was the one guy that was young enough and his talent matched what, you know, the chiefs would potentially give him if we traded for him. So I just thought it made sense across the board. I thought it was, you know, a safe, deal type of because the talent's there i watch his film yeah. all the time and the talent's there not sure what his price would be but i'm sure the talent would live up to that price so that was my my train of thought and you've been in there i made this point and i do, i don't make it to say like i know more it's just like hey here's a variable that that you might not be thinking about when talking about moves like this and that is for brett veach for andy reed because they're so particular about that locker room and making sure that that everybody fits who's coming in that to give Mm -hmm. up multiple assets because for a guy like josh allen you're giving up a couple draft picks at least Mm -hmm. um high draft picks so Mm -hmm. give up a couple of draft picks and have to pay a guy before he ever steps foot in your building before Mm -hmm. you know about his work habits how how he goes about his business because i know Mm -hmm. that the chiefs are very um, aware of making sure that everyone else in the locker room sees the guys who get paid by that organization are doing things the right way. And so mm-hmm. it's really tough for them to give up picks and money for a guy they didn't know. Now with Josh Allen, it made sense. And I saw your tweet and it was like, you know what, that fits as well because Joe Cohen, who's now mm-hmm. one of the chiefs defensive coaches had been in Jacksonville with Josh Allen. So at least mm-hmm. somebody could, speak to being with him every day and knowing how he works. Uh, but at the same time, uh, jumping around here a bit, but it's also the benefit of having a guy like Andy Reed and the respect he has around the NFL. And that when mm-hmm. he calls a coach, he'd be like, Hey, how's this guy work? What's he like that? You're going to get the right answer. Like you're going to, he's going to get mm-hmm. the, the truth out of those mm-hmm. guys. Um, I want to ask about Andy Reed and playing for him because uh, there's the side that the media sees during his pressers. He makes a joke every once in a while and then there's the, the guy that the coaches see all the time. And mm-hmm. I didn't see it a ton, but I saw just enough glimpses. Uh, and I'll tell you the story. So it was in the middle of the offseason. It was like April. I was walking down the the from the indoor uh, practice facility or indoor field. And we were just mm-hmm. about to the locker room. And it's where you go out left and you go up the stairs to the practice field. Well, mm-hmm. we get right to that corner and I'm walking with Ted. It's Ted Cruz and I, and Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. for anybody listening, is a VP of communications. I'll never forget this. I think it was my first year. I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. We're walking down this hallway. We get to this corner and all of a sudden coach Reed jumps out and screams boo at Ted and Ted like jumps back. And he's just like, ah, gotcha. And then he just like leaves and walks up the stairs. And I look at Ted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell was that? And he goes, that's how he always is. Like he's a giant kid. Like he's just messing mm-hmm. with people all the time. I'm like, I've never seen that side of his personality. <laughs> what was yeah. it like as a player playing for him and kind mm-hmm. of seeing both sides and, and all the funny things that uh, don't make it to the light of day? Yeah, I mean, it's Big Red's an interesting individual, man. Um, you just hear so much about him, his prestige, how long he's been in the league, all that. So coming in in 2019, just kind of being around him a little bit, but not really knowing who he was. 
you know, he's, he's a little different from other head coaches, um, a little bit more softer spoken, a little bit more laid back. Um, you know, just that's his personality. That's his demeanor. Um, just a little bit more chill. So it was a little bit different than what I was accustomed to. But I'll say this in terms of like his in terms of him being funny, he is hilarious, but he's one of those dudes that get funnier with time. So it's like yeah. when you first meet him, you don't really know what to expect, how he's going to be. And then literally each and every week, you'll pick up one small thing from him and you'll be like, you know what? Big Red is fucking funny, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a dry, like just the stories that I've heard. I haven't seen it a lot. And I've heard some things that I won't, I won't share some jokes that he makes mm -hmm. and things that he does. Um, but uh, yeah, his personality is, is one of the players love playing for him is you can't get to his position, have the success that he did uh, mm -hmm. that he has had and have people talk about them the way that they do uh, without treating people the right way and just kind of treating everybody fairly and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I want to ask you this too, Alex, because I've asked this to, to former guys because everybody's a little bit different. Uh, mm. When you sit down on a Sunday or Thursday or a Monday, <laughs> football all the time now, mm. to watch a football game, do you watch it as like a fan or do you watch it as a play? Like you're watching a Chiefs game. Are you watching mm -hmm. alignments? Are you watching defensive calls and figuring out what mm -hmm. they're trying to do? Or do you just sit back and watch the ball and enjoy, you know, football like, you know, a regular fan? No, it's funny you ask because I was actually thinking about this the other day. And I wish I could watch the game as a fan. But right now my, my <laughs> eyes just won't let me. Like my mind won't let me. Like I've spent so many uh, hours over the past nine years of my career just watching film a certain way. And now mm -hmm. it just – my eyes can't unsee that. So when I'm watching games, I'm I'm zoomed in on the D-line. Before the snap even happens, I'm zoomed in on the backfield formation. Where, like, is the line bowed and whatnot? What, what is the tackle stance in? Most of the time, I'm missing, like, a lot of the game because I'm so zoomed in on, like, what my keys are on the field that, like, sometimes I can't even enjoy, like, the full vision of the full play. So it's funny that you asked that, but to answer your question, no. Uh, I see it from a professional football standpoint and, nah. you know, it is what, what it you, is for now. What do you like? You've played in different defensive schemes for different defensive coaches. What is it that you like yeah. about Steve Spagnuolo and the way that, that he went about his business and the way that he calls plays and just his whole defensive scheme, which just aggressive. <laughs> like it's yeah, just, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming. There's zero <laughs> blitzing in the red zone all the time. Like they are sending the house and I love to watch right. it as a fan. Right. No, I mean, I think just speaking of Spags, man, I think he gets a – and now that I'm not on the team, I can see what everybody is saying, and I think he gets an unfair amount of criticism. Um, first of all, you got to remember, he won a Super Bowl in 2019. He's won multiple Super Bowls, so let's let's put that on his resume. It takes something to do that. But um, as a D coordinator, man, one thing I love about Spags is that, like, he's going to stick to what he does. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, it works, man. You just got to stick with it and do your job right, and it will work. The worst thing you can do as a D coordinator is, you know, start flip-flopping in philosophy, start making way too many adjustments, just because we're grown men on the other side of that. We can see what's going on. Like, you can't fool us. So, I mean, Stag, Stag stands tall in what he does, man, and it works. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I need to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is Liquid Death. Listen, you might be in a meeting you might be walking through High V Target and start to notice some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. No need to get anybody. It's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid 
death. Now, why is this water called liquid death? Well, it'll brutally murder your thirst. That is right. Not only are they trying to brutally murder your thirst, they're trying to brutally murder plastic pollution as well with their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans. They're bringing death to plastic pollution. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution. Great cause. That's a win-win for me. Look at this. I mean, just look at this can right here. I've got one right with me. The Severed Lime. One of my favorite flavors that they have. Oh, it's so good. Can't wait to dive into this one. You can find a Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or go to a Liquid Death retailer near you. Find one with their store locator to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but it's not something most of us can do every day. If you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it's so much easier to get that with Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so easy for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment needed. It's wonderful. Whether you know what you're doing and you already know what kind of coffee you like or you're looking and you need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans or however you make it your coffee at home. They will send it to you. It's absolutely perfect. It's a win-win in my book there. Here's how you got to do it. You're going to upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering listeners a total of $30 off their subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Drinktrade.com slash KCSN. I want to ask about one of the adjustments that he's made because obviously somebody who's played defensive end uh, would have a special appreciation for what we've seen from Chris Jones uh, this year. Obviously spent most of his time on the inside playing tackle. Saw a little bit of the experiment last year uh, moving out to the outside. And this year it seems like they've found the right situations to put him out on the edge, but has had a lot of success um, Mm -hmm. getting after the quarterback. I think he had sack in three straight games, you know, lined Mm -hmm. up at defensive end. How difficult is that for a player and how impressed are you from somebody who's been around Chris to see him be able to do that, make that transition and be able to play out there at times. Yeah, it's been cool. So I was there last year when we kind of first started putting them out there at the end and, and Chris's defense, like, I mean, we were putting them out there, but he's never played like DN like in this league and the footwork is different. Your eyes are different. Like it, we get paid to be DN. He gets paid to be inside. So yeah. nobody could expect that from him from last year. What I do think that has gotten significantly better this year with him being on the edge is I think the timing of his snaps. Like, so last year, whether he was getting too many snaps on the edge or just not, just not the right snaps in the right situations of the game, it didn't work as well as it's working this year. And I think that's because the timing of his snaps. I feel like he's out there a lot less, but in the situations that he is out there, I think it's key pivotal moments in the game. And I think there's a strategy behind that. And, you know, you got to give that to the coaches though. I want to ask because the play that I, when I think about Chris at edge, I just keep thinking about the Raiders game where he sacks mm-hmm. Derek Carr, takes the ball away. They call a roughing the passer penalty, not to mm-hmm. put you on the spot. Uh, and you give me the, the, the PC answer, uh, try kind of get back and get signed. But what's mm-hmm. your opinion of the way that the NFL has kind of changed the rules for defensive guys, especially as it relates to, to hitting a quarterback. And again, mm-hmm. I'm bringing it up cause I just, I can't get that play out of my head cause I don't understand mm-hmm. it to this day. Um, mm-hmm. but as somebody that, that played this game and I can speak a little bit cause I've been down there 
um, on the sidelines. And I've seen how fast, how big, how physical everything is that Mm -hmm. a lot of people just saying, Oh, just don't drive them into the ground or don't do this or don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't understand what it's really like down there uh, when you're standing, Mm -hmm. you know, 50 feet away from this, just what's your impression of it and how difficult is it as a defensive player to change some of these things that the league is asking you to do to protect players. Cause I understand the protecting players, not about that, but how mm-hmm. difficult is it to, to make those changes? Right. Um, I'll speak directly on the rough in the past and not just all the, the different calls on defense, but just strictly the rough in the passer. Um, as a D line, man, we look at it a little different, man. We kind of take it personal just because these bullshit calls are that it's affecting how we eat, man, whether it's stack incentives, whether it's just key moments in the game, like, it's affecting the way we eat. So we take that personally and we understand the rules of the game. You got to protect the quarterback. We understand it's a business. No, we don't want anybody to get hurt, but we've made so many adjustments, whether you can't hit them up high. Now you can't hit them down low because it's Tom Brady rule. Now, when you do hit them in the middle, you got to let go when you wrap up. If you do happen to bring them down, make sure you land on your hands and not on him. Like, it's like, okay, man, how do we eat then? Like, this is how we make money. This is how we affect games. How does the D line eat? And they put us in situations that are just unrealistic. That call against the Raiders was awful. It, it, it was terrible, man. And yeah. I know human error is what makes the game so great. But, I mean, they the refs have got to do a better job of officiating that call. And, um, yeah. you know, it's got to get done. Even the the whipping the quarterback to the ground that we saw with the Tom Brady call, um, getting whipped down to the ground with the next week or the next day, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes gets whipped down to the ground and get called. And I'm thinking about quarterbacks like Josh Allen. Like, mm-hmm. well, then as soon as you wrap him up, blow the whistle dead, because mm-hmm. if you can't whip him to the ground, he's going to spin out of it because he's 6'4", 240, and that's part of his game, where it's like you can't just have it for some quarterbacks and not for others and have you guys have to understand, oh, well, it's Josh Allen, so I'm going to whip him to the ground. And if you do, mm-hmm. might get called one time, and the next time you let go and he spins out of it and runs mm-hmm. for 25 yards. Yeah, and that's – I mean, that's the situation we're in. Um a play that I that I'll never get out of my mind because I didn't see it till I got on the Chiefs was I, w- I want to say 2018 Breland speaks when he let go of somebody mm-hmm. because he didn't want to get a roughing call or something like that. It it changes the way we play. Um, it just affects us in an unfair way when we're attacking the quarterback and they got to do something about it. Whether it's this offseason, they got to put an emphasis on just getting more consistency around that call. All right, I'm gonna. We got a couple more questions to wrap this up, but I do want to ask because I always used to ask this when guys, uh, when I was working for the Chiefs and guys played there. But as somebody played in a few different places, uh, and now that you know you can, um, you know, step back and kind of understand, you know, Chiefs Kingdom and what it's like playing at Arrowhead Stadium and all that, is it different? Like, is it a different feel um, playing in Arrowhead uh, as a defensive player um, in the way that the crowd gets into it and just the the overall feeling, the way that the whole community supports the team obviously i'm biased i grew up a chiefs fan i grew up doing Mm -hmm. all this stuff but um as a player is it different man it's unreal man um (laughs) and i mean i heard about you know chiefs culture i heard about the fan culture um but hearing about it and actually experience it is something different man like on sundays the fans they're just as ready to play as we are it's crazy man and i love it every single one looks like they're ready to get out on the field and, and and get a snap in so that's my favorite part about Chiefs Kingdom, man. It's y'all are so passionate, man. And and as players, we appreciate that. So, you know, I can't I, I can't go ahead. 
I heard it somewhere that Chiefs fans don't come to watch a game. They come to participate in the game and try to be a part of it. <laughs> I've never heard that, but, I mean, you hit it right on the head. That's what it is, man. You you come out to the stadium and all these fans, they're wired up, man. It looked like they went through a pregame routine. So it's... <laughs> they, did. they did. It was just a little different. <laughs> I was going to say in different ways. <laughs> yeah, but, they, no, I love they... it, man. They get and start firing up the grills in line before the ticket gates even open. I remember mm-hmm. Coach Reed saying that there was a guy that was always parked right when he he get there at you know three o'clock in the morning or whatever, or he just wouldn't leave uh, whenever mm-hmm. he'd be there. But somebody get there like three four o'clock in the morning, there'd be people set up, and uh, I always wondered why I didn't get a cheeseburger. And so then I asked him, I was like, I'd ask him every week. I'm like, hey, did you get that cheeseburger? And then, like, Brian Schaefer out of the corner of my eye would, his eye would be like, don't, don't bring that up. Don't bring these people around him. It's a security guy for anybody <laughs> listening. Um, but anyway, Alex, before we let you go, uh, last final question, put you on the spot a little bit. If you had to put a percentage on mm-hmm. likelihood that you play, I want to say for the Chiefs, but that mm-hmm. you play in the NFL mm-hmm. the rest of this regular season at some point, what percentage mm-hmm. would you say that the right fit comes along for you? Um. So the right fit is the key word, um, and that's just my criteria. I'm not going to lay it out right here, but I have a criteria in terms of teams that reach out. Um, I just know what my criteria is, so I'm going to put my percentage a little bit smaller at around 30%. Um, okay. Not because I can't play anymore, just because of my personal criteria on joining the team. So, I mean, 30%, I mean, it's still a good percentage. I'm working my ass off every day to stay ready, but we'll see what happens. I love it. I love it. Well, man, I hope uh, I hope that opportunity does come around for you. Obviously, I know where I'd like to see you play again uh, and run back in and give you that opportunity to to get into the Super Bowl and get in there and play uh, in a Chiefs uniform, man. But Alex, man, we appreciate uh, you joining us here on this episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff. That is uh, former Chiefs defensive end, NFL defensive end, and Super Bowl champion Alex Okafor. Appreciate everybody for listening to this episode and spending part of your day with us. We know there's a lot of great places to get Chiefs content. We appreciate KCSN being one of them. We'll have more great content for you getting ready for the game on Sunday night between the Chiefs and the Titans. We'll see y'all later. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.